You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Tox Aroture. This is episode 30. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast, where we are about to round up the year 2020 with a bang. Episode 30 is Lessons 2020 Taught Me. What a perfect, perfect round number to end 2020 with. I am going to choose to attach all sorts of good, positive meanings to this number 30. The fact that it's over. (laughs) Oh my goodness. How are you doing? Are you not super excited? Okay, I admit it may have been a tough year for you, perhaps. Maybe losing a close friend or a relative or just the space in which we've had to do life in 2020 has been a very strange one. One where we have been forced to dig deep into ourselves, into the depth of who we are to find every last bit of resilience and strength and perseverance, but we made it this far and I'm so thankful. I don't know how recent history is calculated. I mean, is it 10 years, 30 years, three years? I really don't know, but I get that 2020 has been labeled the darkest year in recent history. It may have brought uncertainty to you, perhaps economic instability or rather financial instability, Um, you know, just a general upheaval to life. But here we are, December. Today is the 22nd of December. We're here. And here's why I'm not moaning about this year. What if 2020 was supposed to be a whole lot worse. What if this version that we have been complaining about is actually the toned down version? (laughs) No one imagined that this could happen, except of course in the movies like Contagion and the rest of them. But in the same way, we can't imagine just how bad it could have been. Okay, so we think it's bad now, but what if it was worse? So we're thankful. We are thankful. I've said before, this is something I learned from my son, Aaron. He he taught me when he was quite a, a young child that God wouldn't have put us on planet Earth if it wasn't suitable for our habitation. So hard as it's been, we're doing it. So I thought I'd share some of the lessons that this year has taught me, and I invite you to respond with curating your own life's lessons as well. I believe this year's teachings will serve as an instruction manual for navigating next year, 2021 and beyond. And when it comes to manuals, there are two things that's come to mind. One, it's always best to follow the directions carefully. So don't discard this year's experiences as quickly as you may want to. Second thing that comes to mind is every piece of equipment has got its own unique manual. So I can't use the manual for my Epson printer 
to figure out how to, um, you know, work my Xerox printer, for example, or my computer. So you've got your own manual based on your own experiences for this year. And next year has already been laid out for you. Amazing things are going to happen, but you've got to have your manual with you. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you 12 lessons that this year has taught me, or I pick out 12 of the lessons that I've learned, Um, not in any particular order, not in order of how I've learned them, but they just pretty much stood out because they caused me to stop and pause and uh, figure out how I can take that and run with it as opposed to, oh, that's a nice thought or that's a nice revelation and then move on. These are lessons that are in my instruction manual for 2021. The first one is become the environment you want to live in. This lesson came about at the start of the year. I'd spent the few weeks prior coming into an understanding that our environment instructs us, whether we choose to accept it or not. So this lesson of becoming the environment you want to live in is going a step beyond merely watching what you're actively consuming. My focus at the time was on passive consumption, you know, where you've got information that's running in the background and sipping into your mind without you going out of your way to choose it. It could be that you've got the news on repeat or you have a habit of scrolling through social media first thing in the morning. And as far as you're concerned, you are simply browsing and you're not taking in anything. Everything that crosses our senses, whether it's things we see or the words we hear or a book we read, whatever we consume is actually going into the mind. And a lot of our consumption is passive. We're not conscious of the fact that we're taking it in. This can show up in the form of people you spend your time with, where, and, and, and I'm sure it's happened to you where you've been friends with somebody for a while, or you spend a lot of time with someone for a while, and before long you start to sound like them. You know, you start to pick up either some mannerisms or for some of their phrases. That's all passive learning or passive consumption. Another example of this passive consumption will be clutter. Physical clutter sends a message to your mind that your life is not in order and therefore any decisions you make could have an unpredictable outcome, just like the state of untidiness you're living in. So I don't watch YouTube or listen to anything on YouTube at night. I'd rather play a podcast or an audiobook or a sermon, but not YouTube because I don't have YouTube YouTube premium. Therefore, I get ads. And I don't want to have funeral advertisements playing in my ear while I sleep, <laughs> you know, or clips of fights between reality stars or some shaman who wants to tell me that I'm I don't know, a butterfly incarnate, or I'm really a unicorn or something crazy like that. You've got to be picky about the mindless information that feeds your con- your subconscious while you're asleep and even while you're awake. This year, I learned that not only can we create a healthy environment in which to thrive, 
but we can also become the space for other people to find stillness and rest in. We can become a source of wisdom and strength and become a magnet that draws our people to us. I say our people because every one of us has a tribe of people that we are meant to serve. But it's only through authentic living that our tribe will recognize us because then you're stripped of all the embellishments and all the coverings and all the stuff that hides you. So in a sense, when you work on curating your own environment so that you live in a space that's healthy for you and you live purposefully and intentionally and you're authentic, you end up creating an oasis for others to come and just get refreshed by. So that's lesson number one. The second lesson from 2020 is on resilience. I learned that we all have resilience muscles, but unused muscles will eventually waste away and they'll not work when you want it to. So when people have been bedridden for a while and they finally get up and they're able to walk, walking feels strange. In fact, they they have to start off slowly because first they've got to combat muscle wastage. In the same way, if you don't practice resilience, you won't suddenly be able to exercise it when you need it. Resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from challenging situations. Just yesterday alone, <laughs> I had no less than four separate conversations with business women, all unrelated, different places, <laughs> all going through a tough time. And they are lucky to have had access to my current mindset because if they were speaking to me perhaps a few years ago, I wouldn't have given them good advice. And that's just the truth. Now, I told them the same thing, that the present challenge is essential so they can build their muscle of resilience for the future. Otherwise, it will fail them when they need it most. My son, Aaron, works as a personal trainer. So we have had mom and son training sessions at home where he has been teaching me to lift weights and helping me with weights. I confess that that lasted a few weeks. <laughs> I haven't done it in quite a while. <laughs> but I remember after a few sessions feeling very proud of myself. I'm lifting these weights. I'm doing the squats. I'm doing all the things. And he even told me that my form had improved and I was doing better. And he could even see some of my arm muscles forming. <laughs> excited me, asked him if and when my body shape would finally be altered to something closer to Angela Bassett's body. Then he explained that the weightlifting we were doing at that time was not for toning the body, but it was for strengthening the muscles that would help me to lift real weights. And it's only in the lifting of the real weights that we will go on to build the muscles. And he told me the name of those small muscles. I don't remember what they're called. But in the same way, your day-to-day -day occurrences that, you know, wear you down, the experiences that cause you to want to give up, the 
thoughts you have that frighten you, you know, thoughts about moving forward or thoughts of failure, those thoughts, those experiences are the building of your resilience muscles so that when the real heavy lifting shows up, you can handle it. Does this mean I'm going to face even more trouble? (laughs) What? Yep, that's what it means. But it wouldn't be this version of you meeting the trouble, you see. It would be the more robust, toned and trained you. The one that's been prepared and, you know, you've worked out and you're ready to lift some weights. So don't worry about future problems. You know, when people, I, I remember, you know, entrepreneurship, a lot of people would put the word hard somewhere in the sentence, in every sentence, every third sentence. Oh, it's so hard. Running a business is so hard. You know, people would say it's it's tough in this economy with a pandemic. All you're hearing is retailers are suffering. I've had more COVID-related magazine and newspaper uh, press interviews than ever. Like it's all, I mean, obviously, because we've only ever had COVID once, but it, I, I've noticed that a lot of the conversations and the interviews and the features are, are centered around loss and fear and failure. And um, because that's what people are thinking, that's what's on the minds of people. And the reality is things will get tougher, not because of a failing economy, not because of a pandemic that won't go away, but that's just the nature of life. The more you climb, the harder it gets. However, the more you climb, the stronger you become. So you don't have to shy away from challenges that might be tougher. You know, I always try and stare anyone I'm mentoring or when I'm speaking on on the subject of business, I stare people away from saying, that's too hard for me. That's too hard for me. I I can't possibly go through this again. Well, you can because the person who went through it the first time no longer exists. Number three, you are enough. I have to add this monumental lesson, which I'm still learning. You see, I came to understand, really grasp that I am enough. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you'd have heard me say that we were born with everything we need to excel in life or to live the life we were created to live. And that's true. But here's where my thinking kind of went left. That first statement is fine, but I've had a thought along with that statement that I needed to become an upgraded or better version of myself to achieve the things that I want to achieve. And that's not true. So instead of thinking that you've got to, first of all, become X, Y, Z to do ABC, the other way around, (laughs) I am enough teaches us that we can start now. We have the components and we become the person that we need to become as we do what we're supposed to be doing. So you don't need an upgrade. You don't need an improvement. You don't need to be embellished. You don't need to be like anyone else to do what you really want to do. The fact that you have the desire 
is all the certification, the affirmation, the permission that you need to start now because you are enough. Number four, you have an unlimited capacity to learn. Now, this might sound like a motivational cliche, but allow me to explain just how this unfolded in my life. So you've heard me talk about the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. And I had a fixed mindset because I was raised in a very loving home where I was told I was so smart, I was so intelligent, so I could do anything. And there really is very little I wouldn't attempt. However, the fixed mindset believes that they have a a massive pool of ability and knowledge, but it's fixed. So they were born with the intelligence they have. They were born with the skill. They were born with the talent, which means that if they come across a task or a venture that they can't do, they give up easily because they think, well, if I can't do it, it's because it's absolutely impossible for me to do it because I've reached the end of my resources. And that describes me perfectly. So at the start of the year, I decided to take some business courses. This is something, I mean, they were very intense, really, really stretched me. And there were moments that I worried that I wouldn't be able to complete it, especially when you're doing a class and there are other people in the class. They all seem to be getting it. They're all asking questions and you're like, oh, uh, don't get that. That's how I was, not because I didn't think I was incapable of learning, but I just thought I had maxed out my capacity to learn, you know, maxed out my capacity with regards to time. I'm very busy. I've got, uh, you know, my, my business keeps me busy. I have another two businesses. Um, my uh, family is big and boisterous and loud, and there's just so much going on in my life. So I didn't think that there was any space for learning. And I just thought I was completely stretched, but I did it. <laughs> It's a bit like the resilience muscle. If you haven't been stretching your mind, you probably will conclude that that's as far as you've gone. I have made comments and I've heard so many people make comments like, oh my goodness, I'm done with school, can't go back to school, not in the, you know, you hear someone's doing uh, a degree, a new degree, and you're like, ah, can't do it, cannot at this age, I can't do it. The truth is we do have the capacity to expand our minds and learn and just take stuff but you've just got to be you've got to be willing to experience the discomfort of stretching number 5 excuses flee when you take action this year i started this podcast yay <laughs> the thought of starting one first came to me in 2017 okay i had distilled the perfect picture of my working life into a column <laughs> And recording a podcast was one of the components. So 2017, 18, 19, 20, I carried this desire right through for three years without putting a date to it because I hadn't learned lesson number three, which says I'm enough. I thought I had to be more of something. (laughs) I needed to become an improved, upgraded version of myself to be worthy of starting this podcast. So instead of starting, my attention went towards becoming. 
It was at the end of 2019 when I wrote out my resolutions that I finally put April 2020 as my deadline for the podcast. And the closer we got to that date, the more intense the pressure got and the more excuses I found until I admitted fear was at the core of this whole thing. So this is the part where I say again, that the people in your life matter, the people in your circle matter, because it was in conversation with a friend of mine and she asked me, why haven't you started this new venture, even though you've told me about it for the second time in as many weeks? And I had no answer. So she suggested she'd call the following week, by which time I should have launched it, and I did. The minute I clicked the publish button for episode one, all the fear All the excuses were nowhere to be found. I couldn't even correctly recall the emotion that I felt at the time or my reasons for stalling. So if there's something you're stalling on, just start. The excuses will run away. (laughs) They will excuse themselves and leave once you press the start button. Oh, and that podcast has been featured in The Telegraph, The Times, The Metro, The Current Uh, January 2021 issue of Red Magazine and so much more amazing press to come. And I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful to you for listening because if you weren't listening, hmm, let's just leave that hanging. (laughs) Number six, a bit similar to number five, but fear and doubt chaperone new decisions. So I have written and spoken extensively about fear. I've run away from it. I have denied its presence. I've tried to reason with it, but it just keeps showing up. I had a chance to go down memory lane recently and I drove past my first office. Well, it wasn't an office. (laughs) It was a desk. Actually, it was a quadrant, like a quarter of a desk separated by cubicles, little tabletop cubicles. I drove past it and in a state of thankfulness, I also chuckled at the memory of the fear I experienced in renting that space. That was a big step for me. I had not too long lost my previous business and everything around me was just covered with loss. Everything I saw had the words in big red letters, you will lose this too. But then I moved about three times after that first office. And each time I moved, I moved to a better place. And finally, we are where we stand today as a retail shop in Chelsea. But what's so interesting is that every single time I moved, fear and doubt were present. Every time. Every time. There's not been one major change or growth moment that has come without fear. So this year, in the last couple of months, I've made major changes to my business and the changes have been have been rolled out slowly and will eventually be rolled out fully by the middle of January. We have Brexit looming. A mere 10 days from the day I'm recording this. Okay, so we have left the EU, but the trade portion of the agreement uh, that the, the EU trade deal that we've had 
since we've been member when we were members of the trade deal comes to an end in eight days time that's huge the UK has gone into her third lockdown due to a virus that we've just been told is mutating and the decision to keep dreaming and doing has been accompanied by fear and doubt so I've learned that they are assigned chaperones to any decision involving growth or movement even if you choose not to succumb to them at the very least we can acknowledge their presence and then let them know that they are merely chaperones we've got to recognize that it's their face up to the fear fear is not and should not be in the driver's seat I think it's important to acknowledge our fears because that then allows us to address them and put them in their own place. Otherwise, our emotions will end up making the plans for us. I recommend going back and listening to episode six, Emotional Decision Making, for more on how this can be avoided. The presence of fear is not an indication of your inability to succeed in a venture. Something else I learned about fear is that it is a waste of time to wait until the feeling dissipates before taking action. I've done this time and time again by telling myself, I can't be creative when I'm not at peace. So I end up throwing all of my energy to make myself feel better and feel at peace so I can work. Whereas if I simply just started doing the work, the fear will leave. (laughs) Emotions will follow your actions. So normally emotions happen and your actions follow, but you can also flip it around and start taking action on something and your emotions will have no choice but to catch up. Number seven, don't let the time for dreaming spill into the time for doing. So we spend a lot of time working on our minds. And I know you do because you're listening to a podcast called Living From The Inside Out. There's a time to dream. And then that dream drips into the space for planning and strategizing. And then finally, that drips into doing. It works a bit like evaporation. You have a full pot of water, you put some heat on it, and the water starts reducing, reducing, reducing until there's nothing but sediments at the bottom. The sediments represent action. So we always spend more time dreaming, a little bit less time strategizing and planning, and even less time taking action. Business is not the same as being active, but we spend a lot of time dreaming, and that's wonderful. That's a gift from God to be able to dream but there is a time to dream and there's a time to strategize and plan on that dream becoming a reality. And then there is a time to take action and make it real. So make sure that your time for doing isn't used up by the time for dreaming or planning. Number eight, create emotional markers. Years ago, I visited my uncle in the state of Georgia I had just flown into town and drove up to his home very late at night. So I'm on the driveway sitting in the car and I can't come out because his neighbor's dogs to the left of the property are barking mad. They look like they wanted to shred me there and then. I just literally mince me, bones and all. (laughs) So 
So I couldn't get through to them on the phone. And I Googled a hotel half an hour later and checked into a nearby hotel. Finally got to speak to my uncle later that night who was wondering where I was. I explained the situation to which he replied, oh, those dogs wouldn't have come over. They're separated by an electronic fence. And I thought, no, no, there, went, there was no fence there. I looked, I saw there was nothing. He goes, no, it's invisible. I'm like, okay, so how is it invisible if um, it's a fence? And he explained that they wore a collar and there was a perimeter, a boundary line that had been marked. I don't know what's buried in the ground there. And basically, these dogs tried to cross that line. The closer they got to the line, initially they get a buzz, and then they get like a very, very mild shock. And then if they go even further, they get a really bad shock that the animal rights people, I'm sure, are not very happy about. But the dog people say that it's perfectly safe. So there, there we are. And uh, they they wouldn't have crossed over. So they got warning signs as they got closer to the fence. Now, a few weeks ago, I found myself in a state of anxiety so much so that I couldn't get much done considering the amount of time I devote daily to my mind. I was surprised to find myself just emotionally tethered to a place that had no nothing for me and made no logical sense. So I'm going through my emotions, I'm journaling, trying to figure out where this was all coming from. And I realized that I too like the dogs, I had warning signs. First, I got a buzz. My buzz showed up as restlessness. The week before the anxiety went into full spin, I was feeling restless. One evening, I tried and failed at watching like three or four or five Netflix videos, tried listening to podcasts, tried reading, I just kept going from one activity to the other and I couldn't get into anything at all. And I was restless, almost like looking for something, but I didn't know what I was looking for. Next, I began to feel mildly anxious, so irritated more like. I was feeling irritated with my family, with just people around me. I wouldn't want, I just, you know, stay away from me, people. (laughs) Don't talk to me. Don't call me mom. (laughs) Just stay away from me. That was the vibration or the mild shock, uh, you know, that the dogs got their second warning. That was my second warning. I was getting dangerously close to the fence, but I ignored it. And I crossed the boundary line and got into full-blown turbulence where I couldn't get anything done because I was just a bit of a wreck. But it wasn't the first time that I've seen myself start off being restless and end up being fearful. So now that I've linked the two, (laughs) you know, I've I've connected the dots and I can see how one leads to the other, I have become more watchful. It's a bit like using the traffic light system for emotions. But I do have a question. How do you manage your emotions? Do you recognize the stages that take you from zero to a hundred? Because I believe there are warning signs for each of us, but it's different. (laughs) My husband says my eyes flash when I'm angry. (laughs) Oh, that's his warning sign to make sure that the house is tidy. And he gets the boys together and and begins to give them tasks. And I'm chopping on the inside, but I'm stern on the outside. Like, 
whatever. <laughs> what are your warning signs? Lesson nine, you are a lone traveler on a solitary path. This was and still is a big lesson for me. I'm still learning this. I'm still putting it to practice. And you've heard me say that you're traveling on your unique path, right? Well, this is a step above that thought. It informs you that not only do you travel alone on that path, but you're also not in competition with anybody else. Your journey is so unique to you that no one else but your future self is the standard. And this helps us, especially us women, when we have those moments of comparison. You know, we set some other woman up as a standard and we're thinking, it's not always envy, it's not always jealousy, but comparison is just really setting someone else up as a standard when really they're not even on the same path as you. They're not writing the same exam as you. They're not doing the same thing as you. They are in a different planet on a different tip completely. Or when we struggle to compliment another woman for fear of her brightness overshadowing ours. This lesson means that you don't have to do what others are doing. You don't have to set them up as your measuring stick because your calling is unique and it was designed for you alone. Lesson 10, you don't need their applause. I saw a post that read, this black all-girl team won the national championship, yet the mainstream media didn't pick it up. I didn't read the article because I knew the angle they were coming from. And yes, in my community, we don't always get the recognition that we should. But I also believe that people not recognizing or celebrating you when you've earned it has zero effect on the value of what you bring to the table. If you keep stopping your race to check for applause, you'll never arrive at your destination. Plus, achievement is an inside job while recognition focuses on the outside. And you know, we are people who live from the inside out, right? By all means, receive your tributes, receive your mentions and your press, but don't let the absence of it cause you to doubt just how brilliant you are. Lesson number 11, Greek logic versus block logic. So I learned this lesson years ago, but it showed up for me again just yesterday or two days ago when the Prime Minister announced lockdown 3.0. Like you, I had my week planned out. I was supposed to rest and chill on Sunday. Monday would have found me at the hairdressers and the brow bar. Tuesday was my day to go back into the shop and do some stuff, record a video. Wednesday, I was, well, Wednesday's tomorrow, so I'm due to be at the shop to supervise the delivery. And afterwards, in true Arotere tradition, go shopping with my husband because we leave our Christmas shopping for the last couple of days. Um, but my plans, which I had perfectly arranged, just seemed like they were toppled by the words of breaking news. In the scriptures, we learn that God related to his children the Israelites, through a system called block logic. 
And this showed up as unrelated, seemingly random events that in the end, when put together, made sense, formed a beautiful picture. Perfect example is uh, the book of Esther, where a random slave girl, an orphan slave girl is busy living her life with her uncle. Some other guy is busy hating the Israelites. Uh, Queen Vashti is busy being fed up of her husband's antiques and like, nope, thank you very much. I'm not dancing for you and your silly friends. And um, the everyone's all very relate, unrelated incidents are going on in the background. But then God somehow manages to bring them all together and create this perfection. That is the block logic. Greek logic, on the other hand, is the thinking style that's favored by the Western world. And it was started by the ancient Greeks who were philosophers and very smart and wise and into education. One step always led to the next and the next and the next until they reached a conclusion. Things always have to make sense with the Greek logic. And that is how many of us operate. So when the lockdown was announced, many did not immediately see how this could potentially form a perfect picture. There were rants on social media. There were newspaper headlines that said, Christmas is cancelled. And that one baffles me still because Christmas is the day that marks the birth of Christ. And nothing can cancel that date. It's fixed. But I get it because we associate the season with spending time with loved ones and especially with the year we've had social distancing means that many people have been separated from family members for far too long and everyone was looking forward to Christmas and listen that that announcement was a rude shock it literally just came with no manners and just dropped itself in the middle of our Saturday evening without warning so I definitely gets the upheaval, the the annoyance rather at the upheaval, because I was annoyed as well. But it shouldn't have stopped me from carrying on the rest of my plans. The fact that I wasn't going to get my hair done seemed to throw everything else out of whack, because one thing must lead to the other. And listen, I have no issues looking like Madge Simpson with my hair, especially if I'm indoors. And I am going to be indoors over the Christmas period. So it wasn't really about my appearance. It just seemed like things were not aligned the way they were supposed to be aligned. And therefore I faltered. My point is that while feelings of disappointment are expected, one thing not working does not always mean everything has to fall apart. And this lesson teaches us to cherry pick the pieces that life throws at us And then form a beautiful picture with it, which will require unlearning certain habits, but it can be done. My final lesson of 2020 is you are not fighting God. While we can all agree that achieving goals involves pain and sacrifice, I don't believe we're working against God as we try to press forward. I believe he's on our side and your desires were placed in you by him so you could fulfill your potential. Now, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, if it's a societal thing, but we seem to 
have great expectations of challenges when we are embarking on something new or when we're just going through life. I'm not saying we should stick our heads in the sand and pretend all is well, but I think that we can flip things around and instead of expecting hardship, how about expecting success and joy? There's a beautiful poem by Erin Hansen. There is freedom waiting for you on the breezes of the sky, and you ask, what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? I want to say a huge thank you for believing in my message to the tune of over 3,000 downloads of 30 episodes spread over seven months. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the questions, which have been my inspiration for some of the episodes. Next year, 2021, is going to be epic. How do I know? Because this year has taught us that we can live without all the things we thought made us happy. My goal when I started this podcast was to share life and business lessons in a relatable, honest and authentic manner, and therefore encouraging mindset changes to help you become who God created you to be. I hope through this podcast you have experienced a shift in your mindset, and I pray for comfort and peace if you're currently going through a trying time know that it can't rain forever. And this too, like all the others before it shall pass. I encourage you to write down what didn't go wrong for you in 2020. And you'll find that there is so much to be thankful for. Have a wonderful Christmas. Happy New Year in advance. And I'll see you next year.